Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good afternoon and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here. Hope you've had a, a great week. I want to welcome all those watching online. Hope you've had a good week too. You know I like to start with something funny. And so did you hear about the widow uh, that went downtown to the Augusta Chronicle with plans to run an obituary column about her husband? Put an obituary notice in, in the paper and, and she walked in the doors and talked to the guy behind the counter and said, how much would that cost? And he looked at her and said, it'll cost you a dollar a word. And she said, okay, say this, uh, make it this way, McGregor died. He said, ma'am, there's a five-word minimum. And she said, uh, uh, she thought, five-word, she said, McGregor died, Volvo for sale. <laughs> and so... Hopefully, that won't be your story, but we're glad that you're here today. We're continuing. Now, let me say this. Jokes are free. Everything else costs you 10%, but um, just kidding, but seriously. Okay. It's the afternoon crowd. Y'all are the late crowd, and so and there's nothing says Stevens Creek like the 12 noon crowd. And so y'all are alive and kicking, already had double caffeine, mocha, and everything else, and you're ready for church. Well, me too. Let's get started. Uh, today, we're continuing our series on Jesus is the Answer, but it's also the, fir- the, uh, the last week of 21 Days of Prayer. We're starting that off. And so I just want to encourage you this week to carve out time to make prayer a priority in your life. Like Pastor Mo said, the church opens at 6. We have a prayer service at 7, Monday through Friday. And so just make it a part to, uh, to carve out time to connect with God. I really believe it will help strengthen you and make you into the person that uh, God has called you to be. You know, when I think about 21 days of prayer, uh, I use the Lord's Prayer often as a pattern for me to connect with God. It's our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You remember that section of the scriptures. It's really simple. Our Father reminds us that he loves us. Who art in heaven reminds me that he is in a place of authority. He is a loving heavenly Father who sits at a place of authority. I think about hallowed be your name, and then I start to think about the names of God, and I understand that the names of God tell me about his character. Tell me who he is. The first name I think about is his name is Jehovah Sidkenu. Jehovah means I am that I am. Sidkenu means righteousness, that he is right, that our God is right. He is pure. He is morally right. He is, there's no guilt. There's no shame. There, he is pure and holy. I think about that. He is my righteousness. I'm not, but I stand complete in him. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom comes. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom, you know what the kingdom, when you think about kingdom, you think about kings and uh, they rule and reign. So God's kingdom is the place where he rules and reigns. The kingdom of God. Now in Romans it says that the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but is what? It is righteousness, 
It's peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So when we declare God's kingdom to come, we're saying, God, let your righteousness and let your peace and let your joy flow through us. And so I pray that. I pray that over me. I pray that over you. God, let your, let your righteousness, peace, and joy cover Stevens Creek Church. Let this cover our region, our, our area. Let this cover America. There's a, 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 a great need uh, in our country for, for people just like you and me to stand in the gap and to pray for our nation. And I think 21 days is just such an important time for us to do that because you see, our world is uh, looking for answers. We have so many questions too. When is this uh, virus going to end? When will there be a vaccine? Oh, we hear this over and over. When is the economy going to turn around? We have so many questions, and not only just national questions, but we have uh, personal questions too. God, when is my job going to be better? When, how am I going to get through this? Or how is my marriage going to survive? And, and we, we really wrestle with these questions. And we look for answers, and we, we're very quick to figure out that the answers is not found in the culture. The answers that you're looking for is not found in politics. President Trump and Mike Pence, they don't have the answer. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris didn't have the answer. Hollywood doesn't have the answer. No. Jesus is the answer. That's why I love that song, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there is no other. Think about that. Above him, there is no other, for Jesus is the way. Amen. Today, I want to introduce you to a, a, a man in the New Testament named Zacchaeus. This man was a man that was looking for answers. He was searching. He had everything that he ever wanted, but it just wasn't enough. The Bible says he was wealthy, he had everything that he needed, but it just wasn't enough. There was something going on inside of him. There was an emptiness. There was a longing uh, uh, for uh, truth. There was just something missing inside of him. He felt like that there surely has to be more to life than the life that I'm living. Zacchaeus lived in Jericho, and in, in the last few weeks of Jesus' public ministry, he made a trip to, Zer to Jericho. Now, the word got out across the community that Jesus was coming and Jesus was in town. And as a result of that, people came from everywhere to see Jesus. I mean, they had heard about his miracle-working power. They had heard that Jesus had opened the eyes of blind men, had unstopped the deaf ears. They had heard that Jesus had made lame people walk again. And they were wondering, could it happen here in our city? Could it happen in our town? And so people wanted to know that. And so, so they came out into the streets to see this miracle worker. Now, Zacchaeus himself had heard too. And so he himself went out in uh, to the streets to see this man, Jesus. Zacchaeus was an interesting character, and people knew who he was. People knew who he was because uh, he was a tax collector. 
Not only was he a tax collector, but Zacchaeus was the, the chief tax collector. And so what does that mean? That means this, that in those days, you've got to understand the Roman government was occupying Israel. And they discovered that, that they could get more money out of Israel if they hired natives to collect the taxes. And so they would put it out to bid. And so you'd go and you'd, if you want to be a tax collector, you just put it out to bid. And whoever got the highest bid won the contract. And for instance, let's say it's in Augusta. Uh, you would say, okay, I believe I can get $100 million in taxes out of this region. Boom, you've got the contract. And so you would go out and you would get people to pay taxes. And here's what uh, happened on the other end. That after you paid your said amount, let's say $100 million of taxes, you got to keep the rest of the money for yourself. Okay, people knew that system. They didn't like that system. They hated that system. So they uh, looked at Zacchaeus, who is the ringleader of the system in, in town, and they hated him as a, as a result of that. They looked at him as a cheater, as a defrauder. They looked at him as the lowest of the low. And in fact, if you were a tax collector back in those days, your family would disown you. You would not be allowed to go to the synagogue and then you would be placed in a class of people that would be the lowest of the low. In fact, you would be in placed in a class of people that was hated even more than murderers. And that was tax collectors. And so as a result of this position he had, people around him didn't like him. They looked down on him. Not just figuratively, but they looked down on him practically too because he was short. In fact, tradition says that Zacchaeus was the shortest man in all of Jericho, the shortest man around. Now, when Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was in town, he made this beeline to downtown hoping to see Jesus for himself. And no doubt, everybody else had the same thought. And the streets were flooded with people. But the problem that Zacchaeus had that the other folks didn't have is he was short. So just being very, very practical here, he couldn't see over people to see Jesus. He couldn't see over the crowd. And so in order to see Jesus, Zacchaeus had to reposition himself. He had to move. He had to move to put himself in a place where he could see over the crowd because the crowd was blinding him. The, uh, the, the crowd was blocking his view from seeing Jesus. Now, the, our tie-in here is like Zacchaeus, so many of us find ourselves in places where the crowd impacts our lives. In your life, it may not be a physical crowd that you're struggling with. Maybe a social crowd. Maybe an Instagram crowd. It may be a TikTok crowd. It may be a Facebook crowd that's kind of blocking your view and keeping you from seeing Jesus. Blocking your view and keeping you from hearing him. The crowd comes and pushes us away. 
Now, when we think about the crowd, I guess there's really four words that I can describe the crowd in. And it's that desire for power and pleasure and fame and fortune. And the crowd comes up and promotes power, pleasure, fame, and fortune. And it's those things that, that war against us. And it's those things that block us from seeing the Lord and really hearing this truth. It is those things that like choke out God's word in us. Mark says it this way. He says it's the, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things come in and choke out the word and make it unfruitful. The worries. You look across our nation, our nation is worried. We're afraid. I mean, you look at just the people uh, who are living in fear and it's it's really something else. And so that fear has a way of immobilizing us. You know, several months ago, uh, a movement started here in Georgia called Faith Over Fear. And you'd put signs in your yard. I, Patty and I were walking down the street we live on um, just this week. And, and somebody still has their sign up, Faith Over Fear. That's an important message for all of us to embrace because if we're not careful, the worries of this world, the fear of the news, the fear of this virus can uh, block us and kind of keep us awake and, uh, from getting to Jesus. The crowd, they crowd God out of our lives. You know what else can crowd God out of your life? Your ego. You've heard me say this over and over. You know how to spell ego, don't you? It's E-G-O. Well, what does that stand for? It's when you edge God out. And we push them out. And so Zacchaeus had pushed God out. He had embraced the, uh, the passion for power, pleasure, fame, and fortune. And yet he had all of that. And on the inside, he was empty. On the inside, he was longing. Surely there's got to be more to life than this. Surely there's got to be more. Crowd comes in and pushes you out into isol isolated places, and you find yourself all alone. The crowd wants you to merge in and embrace their value system. The crowd wants you to think like they think, to act like they act, to vote like they act, uh, vote like they vote. The crowd wants you to merge into their culture. But Jesus comes on the scene and says, No, he wants you to be different. He calls you out. Of darkness. Do you know that the word church in the original language in the New Testament in the Greek was called ekklesia? And ekklesia actually means the called out ones. That you have been called out of the culture. You've been called out of darkness. And we've got to understand that this world and this culture is not our home. That this is not where we get our value system. This is not uh, uh, where we get uh, insights on how to uh, have a happy life. No. 
There's a longing that God has put in each side of us, and it's a, a spiritual longing. That's what Zacchaeus had, and that's what many of you have now. You have this spiritual longing to know your purpose and to understand why you have been placed on this earth. And this purpose has not been put uh, here by some type of evolutionary act, but has been put, uh, put in your heart by the very God who created you. The crowd wants you to be like everybody else, but God wants you to be different. He has a plan for your life. He wants you to grow in faith and grow in the knowledge of his word. Here's the point. Growing closer to Christ requires the courage for you to step away from the crowd. Growing closer to Christ requires the courage for you to step away from the crowd. Zacchaeus spent his life focused on one thing and only one thing, satisfying his desires, making money. He wanted that more than anything else. But in order for Zacchaeus to see Jesus, he had to reposition himself. He had to physically move. He had to climb a tree. So Zacchaeus climbed this tree. And a few minutes later, Jesus came walking down the street. And I would imagine that Zacchaeus, at this moment, he was in awe. There is Jesus. There is the one that, that uh, the miracle worker that he had heard about, the one that opened those blinded eyes, the one that, that made the dumb talk. There he is right there. And the crowd was all covered around him, and Jesus is passing right in front. And this was an amazing moment for Zacchaeus. Hundreds of people right there, there trying to touch him trying to get his attention. Then all of a sudden, as Jesus is walking down and he walks by the tree that Zacchaeus was at, he stopped right there. Now, when Zacchaeus stopped in that very moment, everyone froze. In that very moment, they just froze, waiting for him to say something. When I was in the 10th grade, I, I skipped school one day with a couple of my friends and we drove down to Columbia to the State House to go see Jimmy Carter as he is uh, speaking during his presidential campaign in 1976. He was running for president. And we got there early because I wanted to be at the front of the line. And my, uh, Patty will always uh, roll her eyes because she knows I'm always wanting to be at the front of the line. And so it doesn't matter how early we get there, we want to be first. And so we got there early, me and a couple of friends of mine, and there comes Jimmy Carter walking down. The guy that will, two weeks later, will be, win the uh, election in, uh, for president in 1976. And so as he's walking down, he comes and he's like stopping right in front of me. I froze. There's Jimmy Carter right there. He looked at me, and I, and I didn't know what to say to him. What do you say to uh, uh, almost president at this time? I just said, I'm from Abbeville. That's what came out. That's all. <laughs> and, and he said, my aunt lives in Abbeville. And I said, I know. <laughs> and that's it. That's what you say to a, a, a man that would eventually win the presidency like two weeks later. Now, the next day I uh, uh, opened the Greenville newspaper and had this on the front page of the newspaper. And so that little 10th uh, grade kid right there with his hand out, uh, that's me uh, shaking Jimmy Carter's hand, having my conversation. It was at that moment, I froze. Because he stopped, he looked at me. I think about 
as Jesus is walking through the streets of Jericho and he gets at that moment where he stops. In all the commotion, people froze because they're wondering, what's he doing? What's he gonna say here? He's gotta say something. And at that moment, Jesus turned and he looked up in the tree and he called Zacchaeus by name. He said, Zacchaeus, come down right now. I'm gonna go to your house for dinner. I believe at that moment, Zacchaeus felt something that he had never felt before. I believe that at that very moment, he felt the love of Jesus. He felt the love of Jesus out of all the people in that crowd. Think about that. You know there had to be scribes there and Pharisees and, and uh, people of the law and, and all of these very famous and high-ranking people in that crowd. Out of all those people, Jesus looked up at Zacchaeus and said, I wanna have dinner with you. I wanna have dinner with you. He could have gone to anybody else. When he chose Zacchaeus, I believe he was making a point I think this point is pertinent to every one of us today. I think when he chose Zacchaeus, he was saying to him and to all of us that you don't have to have it all together for God to love you. You don't have to have it all together for God to love you. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to um, do any of that before you can go to dinner with Jesus. What's interesting is that Jesus called him by his name Zacchaeus. I mean, think about it this way. Zacchaeus, the name actually meant pure one or innocent one. Now, I guarantee you people in the community didn't call him that. They had a whole lot of other names that they wanted to call this, this guy. Cheat, steal, uh, uh, thiever, uh, a thief, I mean, just all kind of things. They hated him. They would not call him chosen, uh, pure one or innocent one. But Jesus looks up at him and he sees what he can become. He doesn't judge on everything that has happened in his past. And the same is true for you. He's calling you by your name, not all of the things that you have done. Here's the point. Jesus is here not to condemn you. Jesus is here to change you. He didn't come to condemn you. I mean, Zacchaeus was condemned. He had done all the things wrong. And when Jesus looked up at him, he saw what Zacchaeus could become, not what he was. And he called him Zacchaeus come down. And you know what? Zacchaeus accepted his offer. He accepted his offer. He came down that day. And, uh, uh, and I believe that as a result of that, he entered into a relationship with Jesus and his life was changed. When God looked up, when Jesus looked up at him and called him by name, I think he, he was sensing in his own life that he mattered. You know, pr very practically, Jesus could have said, hey, hey, mister, hey, sir, hey, can somebody go get him down out of that tree? I mean, there's a lot of different ways that Jesus could have got him down, but instead, he looked at him, called him by his name. Why is that? 
because Zacchaeus mattered to God. Zacchaeus mattered. You've never looked into the eye of somebody that does not matter to God. Even when you look in the mirror. When you look in the mirror tomorrow morning, you're going to be looking at a set of eyes that that matters to God. And Zacchaeus felt that. He sensed that. And he came down. And I believe that he went... uh, home and Jesus went with him and they had this conversation and in that conversation he was changed from the inside out I can envision that after dinner Zacchaeus probably went out on his porch and made this big announcement he stood up and said to the Lord look Lord here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today, Zacchaeus, today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. I think there's something powerful when the most selfish man in the city meets Jesus and then becomes the most generous man around when he said, I'm going to give half of my possessions and anybody that I've hurt, I'm going to make restitution. I'm going to pay back four times. Now, now what happened? Here's what happened. The love of God, the love of Jesus took, changed him. Because you see, when you, when you uh, Zacchaeus confessed his sins, and I believe that when you confess your sins, you're changed. It's like a, a weight that it lifts off of you, off of your soul. I believe that when you admit that you are wrong or you admit that you must make mis, uh, have made mistakes, when you admit that you have sinned, it is like this weight of guilt and shame just leaves you, your soul and you are free at that moment. I love the uh, first step of the 12-step program. It says that we admitted that we were powerless and our lives have become unmanageable. We admitted, we owned up, we confessed. Yes, we are powerless over this situation. Have you done that? Have you admitted that you're powerless over a situation? Or you're powerless over a problem. You're powerless over a condition. You're powerless. God, I admit, I am powerless over this. There's, uh, there's something about that confessing that. Admitting that need that changes you from the inside out. Here's what I believe. That, that genuine confession leads to genuine change. Genuine confession, when you're heartfelt, God, I'm admitting I cannot go on unless I have your power. I can't make it unless you touch me. I can't make it unless you come with your anointing. I I need you. you. You confess your powerlessness because genuine confession leads to genuine change. Zacchaeus confessed to Jesus. He apologized for his actions. Zacchaeus made it right with God. Then he took this next step. 
he apologized to other people. He stepped out to make it right with them. You see, I believe that you need to make amends where, you, where possible, wherever possible, except for when it would do harm to somebody else. That you go to someone and you say, I am sorry for the hurt that I caused you. I am sorry for what I said. I, that you genuinely apologize. You should never underestimate the power of a sincere apology. I'm going to say that again. You should never underestimate the power of a sincere apology. This week, some of you will tell God that you're sorry. And others of you will need to do that. God, I'm sorry. I apologize. And then after you do that, you've got to go to someone else, somebody that you've hurt, somebody that you've sinned against, somebody that you've uh, wounded, and you've got to apologize. Now, for some of you, it's time to make a list. You need to make a list, and you need to look at that list, and you need to figure out who have you broken a promise to, and you need to make it right. Just confess. Who have you uh, taken money from that you need to repay a debt? You, you, you owe this money. Uh, that uh, maybe you borrowed something from somebody and it's time, uh, you know, that you borrowed that thing and then it became long-term borrowing. And then, you know, when does long-term borrowing become stealing? I mean, I, somewhere along the way it does. I've, I've preached uh, a message like this before and I've had to go look in my garage. And maybe some of you need to go look in your garage so do, what do you, some of you need to go look in your bookshelf. How many library books do you still have? Man, the library is going to have a flood of, uh, of new books back. It was not new books, but it's old books. But, but we need to just be very practical that we make amends, that we make things right. It's time to make things right. And here's what I want you to understand, that when you go to that person to make something right, that person may or may not accept your apology. But you are not necessarily going to that person for an apologist to help them out. It's all about, it's you. You're the one that needs to take that step. And so understand that you are going to that person, but you're doing what you are supposed to do. I hope it works out and the relationship is restored, but it may not that relationship may not ever be restored to the place it, it used to be. But here's the point, and here's what the Bible says about that. If it is possible, as long as it depends on you, that you need to live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, as long as it depends on you. In other words, you do your part. But it's also saying that some relationships uh, it's not going to be possible for, for you to amend those relationships. But you need to do what you can do. Very practically, you need to do what you can do. Now, let me say this. Uh, I've been married for 38 years, and, and through 38 years, I've learned a lot on how to make apologies. Because, you know, I've done a lot of things that, oh, man, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. And uh, if you're looking, looking to learn how to grow in your apology... Um, and then I would just, um, you know, look at home first and try to figure that out. And so, uh, you know, there's, uh, I've had a lot of practice and here's what I've learned uh, from my wife. I call it Patty's Principles of Apology. 
okay? Just simple Patty's principles of apology. Here it is. Uh, flowers say that you're sorry, okay? Flowers say that you're sorry. Jewelry says, Marty, that you've learned your lesson, okay? Flowers say that I'm sorry I said that, I did that, I didn't mean to do that. But jewelry tells me, Marty, that you have really learned your lesson. And so some of the women in this room has been praying that you would learn your lesson. Well, who do you need to apologize to? And when you go to apologize, I just want you to be, I want you to pray over it. I want you to choose the right words. I want you to be kind um, and ask the Holy Spirit to be with you. And you take that step. Don't beat around the bush. Do not take uh, a few words and make them a multitude of words. Get to the point, okay? Just get to the point. Share your heart in a condensed fashion. If they may want to hear more, but don't unload everything. That's practical right there. It didn't cost you anything extra either. Um, I think an apology is more about saying you're sorry. It's about changing your behavior. Zacchaeus was a miserable man. Uh, He cheated. He stole. He met Jesus. He said he was sorry, but what happened? He changed his behavior. I believe that you can do the same thing. I believe that you can change. I believe that your life moving forward does not have to look like your life in the rearview mirror, that you can be different. And when Zacchaeus made made it right with God and then made it right with other people, Jesus said, today salvation has come to your house, to this house. He goes on to say, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Seeking to save. Jesus came to save the lost. Zacchaeus was lost, just like some of you. You're lost. And Jesus has been looking for you. He has been searching for you. He has been longing to have a conversation with you. He's been trying to get your attention in a lot of different ways. When you were at the store a couple of weeks ago and you ran into someone and that normal everyday conversation that you had with this person all of a sudden turned into a spiritual conversation and it was in those moments that the Spirit of God was speaking to you, seeking for you, searching for you, trying to call you out and call you to Him. It could be a song that you heard and it was not just a a normal song but it was a song that, that pierced the, uh, the hardness of your heart and it spoke to you in a very deep place. That was the Spirit of God searching for you, calling for you to come to him. He has been searching. He has been longing for a relationship with you. And over and over, he has placed signs in your pathway He has placed rainbows in the uh, the sky. He has placed help from strangers. And all the while, he is searching for you. 
and he's saying, I want you to come to me. And when he looks up into that tree, he sees you and he calls you by your new name. Your name is forgiven. Your name is set free. Your name is redeemed. And there is hope. And hope has a name and it is Jesus. And that's why we're in a serious thing that Jesus is the answer for the world, for you today. And let me say it very clearly, above him, there's no other. Jesus, Jesus is the way. Over the next few minutes, we're gonna have a time of prayer. And this is gonna be an opportunity for you to have that conversation with the Lord. You have been putting this conversation off far too long. But today, this is gonna be one of those sincere, heartfelt conversations where you admit, where you confess, Jesus, I've blown it. I've made mistakes. Where you own up to your part of the problem. Today's your day. To have a genuine confession. And I believe that genuine confession is gonna lead you to a genuine conversion. Genuine life change. So are you willing to do that? Are you willing to pray with us? Are you willing to admit that you need help? I want you to bow your heads and let's just pray together. Those watching online, those in our South Augusta campus, today is your day. I'm gonna pray over you. I'm gonna lead you in this prayer and then I'm gonna pray over the, the general congregation. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I am so thankful that you've given me the opportunity to have this conversation today. And today, Lord, I know there are people listening to me that need to take a step of faith. You have been searching and searching and seeking for them, and they are here in this moment, in this spiritual moment, and they're ready to step out. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, say that. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Say that. And forgive me of my sins. Say that. Say, forgive me of my sins. I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, make me into the person, say that, make me into the person that you want me to be. I give you my life. Save me today. Make me new. Say that, Jesus, make me new. And fill me with your presence. I receive that, Lord. Just say that, I receive what you have for me. Now, Father, I pray not only for those making decisions to follow Christ today, but I pray for those individuals that have walked into this room, tuned into this broadcast, that they feel the weight of the world on them. They feel the worries of this life and it's weighing them down. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give them strength, that you would give them power, that you would bring help to them. I pray, Father, that those individuals that are covered in fear because of COVID-19, I pray in the name of Jesus that the fear that is hanging over your household will be broken in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that there will be freedom in Jesus' name. So come and move over us as a church and move over us as a community and move over us as a nation. 
and let the kingdom of God come. Let righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost cover us. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.